This is The Grid, presented by American Shield Roofing and Construction, LLC. When you find yourself needing a roof repair and are looking for a roofing company, American Shield Roofing and Construction is happy to meet your needs. When dealing with a roofing company, you need a roof contractor who is dependable, who can arrive on time, and provide you a quality new roof in a timely manner. Our goal is to present you with honest, accurate information, quotes, and estimates. Call us at 361-343-7018 or visit us at americanshieldroofing.com. Proud title sponsor of the 2021-2022 Victoria Advocate Varsity Cup Awards. Welcome into episode 13 of The Grid, presented by American Shield Roofing and Construction, LLC. Well, we're, it, it certainly feels like playoff weather now, Mike. I, it, I think the thermometer said 40, and we're looking at games in the 30s this weekend, and that's fitting. That's exactly what we need. I'm Sam Fowler, the assistant sports editor at the Victoria Advocate, joined as always by sports editor Mike Foreman and sports reporter Jeremiah Sosa as we look back at the week that was in the crossroads as well as what's ahead for the region heading into the area round of football playoffs. Plus, we got some some volleyball action to discuss, some teams having historic years, some teams fighting for a state championship potentially. We'll get into all of that and more here in a little bit. But first, make sure you're following us, like sh- like and share this podcast. You can reach us through Facebook, Twitter, or email. Facebook, you can get in touch with us either through the Victoria Advocate Facebook page, the Advo Sports Facebook page. On Twitter, you can reach us. Our handle is at AdvoSports, and our email is sports at VicAd. We really want to hear from you. This is the time of year where you get a lot of hot takes in, in the playoffs, all of that. So make sure to like, follow, and share this podcast. Get in touch with us. Let us know. We want to hear your hot takes. If they're good enough, we might even read them on air. Let's get into the news from last week. Jeremiah, you were there and you got to see Yoakum's historic volleyball season come to an end in the regional final. They went up against Columbus in the regional final. If I'm not mistaken, that's the furthest that Yoakum has ever gone in volleyball. Head coach Kayla Natho just had a phenomenal season with that Lady Bulldog team. They fall in the regional final. Jeremiah, I mean, you got to see them in a couple of matches down the stretch, and you got to see them multiple matches throughout this year. Just talk through how this this season kind of built up for Yoakum and and how they got to the point where they were just one win away from a first-ever state tournament berth. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at the uh, Yoakum's roster at the beginning of the year. They're, they're a very young team. Uh, they have a lot of uh, sophomores and, uh, and, you know, a few juniors. So, you know, uh, for Kayla Natho, I, I'm not sure what you were expecting, uh, you know, going up, uh, you know, into the season with this team. But, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure she's, you know, pretty thrilled, you know, of how it turned out, being that they were just one win away from going to the state tournament. Um, yeah, I mean, like Sam said, it co- covered them a lot throughout the season. And, you know, I think uh, they had some really uh, great outside hitters in Gianna Phillips and Destiny Rios. And uh, they had a great setter in uh, Macy Blakeney. And it, I think their play kind of carried carried them throughout the entire season and you know they made this uh this, this playoff push uh in san antonio they got the win over corpus christi london and of course moved on to to, to battle columbus which 
they had already lost to Columbus two times um, during the regular season. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- just this last loss against Columbus, I know it was tough for for head coach Kayla Natho, but you know her team fought uh, throughout the entire match. All of the sets were fairly close. I think it was like five points uh, kind of separating through that last third set. But you know, like Sam said, it was a historic season for the Lady Bulldogs. Um, you know, made it to the regional tournament for the first time since 2007. Um, made it the farthest a, a Lady Bulldogs team has ever, you know, been in the uh, in the uh, regional tournament. And you know, I feel like if you're Kayla Natho, you know, next year uh, only you're going to be only losing two seniors from this year's team. So I feel like the expectations are high for next year. And you know, I feel like the the Yoakum uh, volleyball program, you know, has uh, has something to look forward to uh, over the next coming years. And another team that had high expectations heading into this year was. Schulenberg and Don Zapalak and the Lady Horns, they got to state. They were able to win Region 4 in Class 2A, and they're currently up in Garland fighting for a state title. They're going, as we're recording this, they're facing Winthorst, and the winner of that match will go on to face Lindsay, who won 3-2 to in the first 2A semifinal. That game, the championship match, will be Friday at think I saw three o'clock. It, it had to have been three o'clock. So next thing, how about them Calhoun sand crabs, Mike? I mean, we were sitting there, we kind of wrote them off. They were, they were playing, you know, they weren't playing like they normally do. And they endured plenty, plenty of uh, hardship throughout the season, whether it was injuries, whether it was off the field stuff or, or for them. But as soon as they got to the playoffs, that switch flipped, and here they go. They they knocked off a really good Alice team. I think no, like no one should overlook that at all. This was a good Alice team that came here to Victoria and beat West, and Calhoun was able to go and beat Alice, thirty-five to twenty-six. Head coach Richard Whitaker was named the Class Four A Coach of the Week by Dave Campbell's Texas Football. What's that say about the just the the tradition? How important is the the tradition that Calhoun has, and how does that play a role into something like this, where they get back into the area round again? Well, you know, if you're looking for maybe a comparison, I would say Shiner. Um, you know, Calhoun ever since Richard Whitaker took over has run the option, just kind of like Shiner has run the Veer for years and years. And what happens is uh, the players, they're running that offense from the time they're in seventh grade all the way they get to varsity. So they know the offense backwards and forwards. The key is executing, and uh, that's what Calhoun wasn't doing earlier in the year. But uh, like you said, they had some injuries, and they're getting some players back, and they're finally executing in the offense. And when you execute in that offense, it can be pretty effective. Uh, you know, uh, when I went out there after they picked up their first win of the season, uh, Coach Whitaker said, he said, uh, he really liked this team. It's just that some things had gone wrong. And obviously they corrected those mistakes and, uh, they uh, they put everything together, and uh, it worked out against Alice, and now they have a matchup with uh, Canyon Lake, uh, which runs the slot T. And we were joking, of course, when we talked about that might be one of the quickest playoff games ever 
But, uh, yeah, Calhoun, I mean, they put themselves in position uh, to make a run. And uh, that just goes to show, I think, if you have a system and it fits your personnel and you believe in it and you execute in it, you can win. Yeah, we'll get we'll get more into into that intriguing matchup of two teams that love to run the crap out of the ball a little bit later. Also, of course, this time of year, it's basketball season. Jeremiah and I, well, the, I covered my first basketball game of the season on Tuesday when I went out to Quero to cover the Lady Gobblers and Industrial, and I loved watching Quero go. I mean, they got two two sophomores that, that can play down low, Arissa Carbonara and Aubrey Bowles, and they combined for, I think it was twenty five or 27 points in a 48 to 16 win over the Cobras. And meanwhile, industrial, it's tough to go up against those. That's those are two six foot players. Bowles is six foot three and Carbonara is six foot at, at, at her shortest. I mean, I, I, I think she's probably a little bit taller than that, but Guerrero's got some height and that's going to be great for them after having to replace Ashley price. One of their, one of their star players from last year. And, so Quero looks good. They just got to get things once they get things going because that was just their second one of the season. I think they'll be good. Jeremiah, you got to go out and see Victoria East take on El Campo. Maybe El Campo was a little bit down there, still in the football playoffs, and East just got its football players on the court for the first time on Tuesday. But you know, East comes out with the with a win, and you can kind of see the wheels turning. And this is an East team, really talented. And if they can if they can iron a few things out, they could they could make a run in this in this north zone with Victoria West and Corpus Christi Miller kind of leading the way, and, and it could make a shakeup. What'd you see from the Titans out in El Campo? Yeah, well, what the Titans really did well, uh, you know, last night was you know run the run their full court press. Uh, they had about they had twenty steals throughout the game, which kind of kind of forced uh, forced El Campo to play play a tougher game that they. That they wanted to, but um, I mean, yeah, like East, they have real, real big length. Length, uh, and they got some post players uh, back from from the football team, like Sam was saying. But really, it seems like this this team is buying into what uh, new head coach Ralph Almanza is kind of kind of putting into the program. You know, I talked to Devon Cates after the game, who who uh, had 15 points um, against El Campo, and he was just telling me that you know he loved the plays that that coach was calling, and that he was excited to you know finally have a coach that was you know helping this team win. So it seems like, you know, all the players are, you know, starting to play well. Obviously it's early in the season, but it seems like they're buying into, into what uh, Almanza is coaching and, you know, hopefully for the times that they could kind of continue that throughout the rest of the season. We'll take a quick break right here, hear a message from white trash services, and then we're going to get to recaps from last week. All we got that on the other side of this break. I'm joined by BJ Nelson. BJ, White Trash Services, what is it and, and, and what do y'all do? Well, thank you for asking. We gather trash in the counties around the Crossroads area. We've been in business for eight years, and we have dumpster, trash can, and roll-off uh, companies. And, you know, y'all are y'all are big advocates for, for sports throughout the Crossroads region. Just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all all high school sports throughout the Victoria area. 
High school sports are amazing. One, they keep kids out of trouble. It teaches them about character, teaches them about right and wrong, uh, how to do better in life. You learn a lot of life skills in sports and especially football. And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll-off, or apply to be a part of your team? You can give us a call at 361-550-1826. I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen. So give us a call anytime, 8 to 5 during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of those things. Playoff action got underway last week. I think we had 23 games. Uh, We actually came out pretty well. I believe this week we have 17. So a lot of our teams uh, did well and won their games. Uh, First of all, though, we're going to start with what had to be a very emotional night for uh, Victoria West. And uh, Sam, you covered that game against uh, San Antonio Southwest. Yeah, and I made I, I've posted about it, and that's kind of one of those tough jobs, especially when you're a reporter covering a high school team. I mean, you never you're never rooting against kids. You never you never want to see anything bad happen. But our job is, as always, is to be neutral and to tell the story as it is. But I got to tell you, this game was it had me on the edge of my seat because West fell fell down sixteen to fourteen with about a minute or so left and it looked like their offense had stagnated from the second quarter on to the fourth quarter. They had all of 35 yards of total offense. Then they got a spark from senior Carter Nelson in the kickoff return. 46 yard return sets up West at the Southwest 16. Then two plays later, Camden Repper finds Zachary Sanchez for a 15-yard touchdown pass to eventually propel West to a 21-16 win over Southwest four days after the death of teammate Diego Martinez. And like I said, our job is to be impartial, but I don't know how I, I don't know how I would have gone about in, in the interviews after the game if they had lost after just such an emotional week. And in the story I put, there was only one outcome for West, and that's how it was. They never doubted that they would that they would win. They always believed, even when uh, Tim Olage's, uh 23-yard field goal put the Dragons on top. But, man, that it, it just it just had to happen. They had to win. It was a... It was almost like a movie script, I think. But I think probably the best scene out of that head coach, Courtney Boyce, was mobbed by the team afterward. They were all giving him a hug. It was emotional. There were there were tears. There were smiles. There were there were the wide range of emotions were there, and it was capped off with head coach Courtney Boyce attempting to do the gritty. Well, we're gonna stay in the San Antonio area, and East had its opportunity, but. No dice for the Titans as they fell 37 to 36 to San Antonio Southside. The Cardinals dropped the Titans to four and seven overall, and that drought without a playoff win looms. Jeremiah, this one had to sting because it seemed like a lot of it was East kind of shooting itself in the foot. Just how bad did this loss sting? What was the what was the emotion like for 
the Titans following such a, a heartbreaking loss. Yeah, the Titans were very emotional after the game. I mean, uh, you know, I looked over, you know, after the game when I was trying to talk to talk to the players and stuff, and I looked over to to uh, quarterback Jaden Williams, and he was just on the floor crying. And you know, uh, head coach Roland Gonzalez went over there to kind of kind of comfort him during 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 that uh, that tough loss. But um, but I mean, East had their chances. I mean, uh, you know, they they were down 16 points after the first quarter. You know, a quarter in which uh, quarterback Jalen Williams didn't play. Um, uh, head coach uh, Roland Gonzalez, he didn't say why why Williams wasn't in the game the first quarter, um, but I mean the fact was that they 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 got down 16 points. Um, he he Jaden Williams came back in the second quarter, kind of tied the game at halftime, and then, and then in the third quarter, um, the defense allowed uh, allowed Southside it's a running game to get going. Uh, they ended with you know 50 rushes for you know nearly 300 yards, um, and then in the fourth quarter, Jaden Williams he found. Uh, Nigel Prater for a 70 yard touchdown um, in the first and the fourth quarter. And then on their next possession, another 75 yard uh, touchdown uh, to get the point to get the game within one point. But the extra point in the second uh, touchdown was missed, which kind of forced East to go on a scramble to try to get the ball back. Um, their defense did their job. They, st- they stopped uh, the South side offense, gave the ball back to, to, to the East offense. But, you know, with four minutes to go in the game, they weren't able to, to get any points on the board and ended up losing that that tough loss against the Cardinals and I mean like Sam was saying it was it was a tough loss you know this is their uh, they haven't won a playoff game in seven years now I believe um, so yeah obviously a tough loss for East and obviously a tough tough way to to end the season to the Cardinals yeah that East team is just incredibly talented I mean don't get me wrong Southside great team this year they had a fantastic year and, and it's continuing on. But with the talent that East has, man, you, that that has to sting because that feels like one that they probably should have won. Well, Mike, you had the most interesting scoreline, I think, of all games this week. Quero beat Salado in overtime 13-7. to You heard me right. Quero held to 13 points but still won. In the by district round against Salado, Mike, that game you and I we were talking about it when we were on our way home. It's it feels like Salado shouldn't have kicked the field goal. If, I mean, you know, Quero's going to score. It's just a matter of when and kind of finding a way to keep pressure on him. When you now that you've kind of digested it, do you still kind of feel like maybe Salado should have gone for it and tried to try to go for broke, get the touchdown, and really put the pressure on? Quero's offense. Yes, I I definitely feel like uh, it was fourth and two, and I felt like Salado needed to go for it there. Uh, even if they had made the field goal, I I really felt like Quero was going to score, and, and um, when it got the ball, which it did, it took him only two plays actually. Um, it was a game where Salado proved to be, I think, better than uh, a three and seven record, obviously, and uh, Quero in a lot of ways on offense was its own worst enemy. Uh, a lot of penalties, a lot of plays that ended up in losses that put him in uh, situations like second and long, third and long, which are hard to convert. And uh, they weren't able. They turned it over three times on downs. They had a fumble that they lost, and they had an interception. So uh, – they're very fortunate to come out of there with a win. Um, what you got to hope, I guess, and what the Gobblers hope 
uh, when they play Sealy this week is that uh, that game was a wake-up call. And uh, I think, I, I believe they'll get the message. And Jeremiah, on Thursday, you were in San Antonio. You went to Davenport to watch Flatonia and Junction. And the Bulldogs, They look their offense looked the part. They win 59-32 over the Eagles. You know, what's the biggest takeaway from that? I mean, we've talked about this Latonia offense being really good and really high-powered, and here they go. They do it in the in the playoffs and and set up uh and set up a pretty good matchup with uh three rivers. Just what what did you see from Flatonia that made them that made them look so good against Junction? Yeah, well, right out of the gate, you know, with uh, this game was kind of kind of one of the wild wilder starts that I've seen. Um, within the first minute and nine seconds, uh, Flatoni had already scored three touchdowns. I mean, it was kind of crazy, but uh, they scored the first one. Then on um, the kickoff, uh, Junction fumbled the ball. Uh, you know, the next the next two kickoffs, and Tonya got Flatonia got in and scored touchdowns. So, you know, it was just a high high powered offensive performance from from Flatonia and uh, quarterback Fidel Venegas. Um, you know, he ended with eight total touchdowns, over 500 yards of total offense. So, you know, I f- feel like if you're Fatonia, you you kind of did what you were expected to do against a, a you know a two win junction team. Um, but and you know, you obviously saw some things that you know you can work on. But I feel like if you're Fatonia as a as a head coach, I feel like you know this game was everything that you wanted to see out of your offense and defense as well. So obviously a big win for for them heading to the next game against Three Rivers. Then Mike, you and I on Thursday, we got to cover a few blowouts. All of District 15 2A Division One won its by-district playoff games. You and I were at Refurio and Shiner, respectively, and I think these were over by the time the team stepped off the bus. Shiner rolled to, I forgot what it was, but all I know is Dalton Brooks only had five carries for 197 yards, three touchdowns in the first half. Oh, and he had an 18-yard interception return for a touchdown. I think that's all you need to know as the Comanches cruised past Santa Maria on Thursday. We 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 did not leave the Santa Maria half of the field until I think the third quarter while we, while Kit and I were covering it. So Shiner just had a dominant performance. Refurio did the same thing, and that's going to set up some interesting matchups this week as well. We're going to get into previews after this word from Thrivent Financial. Thrivent is a proud sponsor of The Grid. Thrivent believes money is a tool, not a goal. Thrivent financial advisor Carly Herrick works with clients to create financial strategies that reflect their priorities and help them protect the things that matter most, like family and giving back. Carly can be reached at 361-223-7883 or connect.thrivent.com backslash true-path-planning. Now we're moving into previews for this uh, this week's area round playoffs. Um, Sam, you have Victoria West at Brownsville Veterans Memorial, which is a Thursday game at 7 p.m. at Cabinet Stadium. Sam, what do you what do you think the Warriors have to do? Uh, you know this game to keep their season alive and you know get this win against Veterans Memorial. They're going to have to do exactly what they did against San Antonio Southwest, which was limit the rushing attack. 
I mean, going into last week, they knew that they knew that Southwest would be able to run the ball, and they had success with it. But the Warriors were able to force four turnovers on downs, two of which were inside the red zone, and the defense only allowed ten points. Six of six of Southwest's sixteen points last week came off of an interception return for a touchdown. So the defense is playing well, but now they're going to go up against a, a juggernaut offense in the Chargers, which averages 359 yards on the ground. I think in total they're, they're averaging close to 490 yards of total offense this season and uh, averaging north of 40 points per game as well. So it's going to be tough, and it's going to be on the defense. And – also, you, this team can't afford a sluggish uh, performance by the offense like they had last week. I mean, the defense kept them in it, but I think Brownsville Vets is a much, much better team than Southwest. And if you go empty-handed for six consecutive possessions like the Warriors had last week, Brownsville will make them pay. So that's going to be the biggest thing. They're going to need to get Kamari Montgomery going. He was held quiet, 20-something yards for him. DeAndre Fillmore had a good game. He had 97 yards and a touchdown on five catches. Also had an interception on defense as well. So that's going to be the biggest thing is maintaining that bend-but-don't-break mentality for the Warriors. Jeremiah, you're going to get to see the, the game that's going to possibly tie a record for Fastest uh, fastest duration as Calhoun faces Canyon Lake Thursday at 7 p.m. from Floresville's Eschenberg Field. Calhoun knows how to win in the postseason. We talked about it, but going up against Canyon Lake and, and kind of this, it's going to be an old-school slugfest. What is the winning team going to have to do right in order to get the stops against the other team's run-oriented offense and get the ball back to their offense so they can kind of control the clock. That's going to be the thing. It's going to be time of possession is probably going to win the game because neither of these teams want to – they'll take the explosive plays, but they're not looking for that, and whoever controls the clock is going to control the game. Uh, What do they have to do in order to kind of get that control over the clock? Yeah, I think, you know – Whatever team you know uh, is able to come out with this win, I think it's obvious that they're going to have to to run the ball well and, like Sam said, just control the clock. I mean, you look at uh, Calhoun's la- uh, win last week against Alice; they had 383 yards on the ground, you know, which was a season high. Um, you know, but they're going up against a tough uh, a tough Canyon Lake defense, which you know hasn't given up over 200 yards on the ground this season. They average, you know, just about 126 uh, yards on the ground giving up. So I feel like. You know this this uh, this Calhoun team, uh, led by you know Alex Par- Alex Parker at QB, um, you know Jace Campos in the running game. I feel like those those two are gonna have to have uh, big game big games on the ground, and uh, you know try to try to keep keep possession of the ball, not not turn it away to to the Hawks, and you know like like Sam said, just try to keep keep uh, time possession on their side and just force uh, Canyon Lake into a tough game. And I think uh, if Calhoun is able to do that, then they they're going to give themselves a, a good chance to you know come out come out on top. And Mike on Thursday, Refurio is going to make its 22nd consecutive appearance in the area round when it travels to San Antonio Heroes Stadium 
at 7 p.m. Thursday to face Holland. And Holland's not, Holland's not Holland of past. We, we, we see that, but for Refurio, it's still going to be a test. And obviously, when you're Refurio, you're going to get everyone's best shot. What, how is Refurio going into this game? And just kind of what are the biggest keys for the Bobcats if they want to advance to, to another Thanksgiving week? Well, last week, uh, Refurio won so easily. In fact, uh, kind of like the Shiner game, uh, Refurio scored on three of the first four times it touched the ball, and the game was over after the first quarter. Um, and what uh, Coach Herring said was that they got out healthy, which was the most important thing. So they're, they're healthy. Holland, uh, I've heard, runs the wishbone, which will be a challenge. Uh, you know, I don't know if Refurio has seen a wishbone, so you always have to prepare for that. Um, I just don't know if Holland can contain them. Um, nobody really. I guess Hitchcock did in the first game this season. But otherwise, no one has really contained Refurio. They have so many explosive players all over the field. If you gang up to stop the run, they can throw the ball. If you lay back, they can run. They can do pretty much everything. So uh, Refurio, you know, it's the old saying, you got to prevent injuries, don't turn the ball over. Those are the things that get you beat in the playoffs. If they execute what they want to do, they'll win and uh as you said, it's setting up a possible path through uh, through the district because uh, next round would either be Ganado or Thorndale. Um, if Ganado wins, it'd be I think like the third straight year they played Ganado in the playoffs. So uh, yeah, I think uh, Refurio. The one thing um, <laughs> that I've known about Refurio though that may they don't like cold weather. Uh, I, that's no, uh, do, no, none of us do, and uh, those guys get out. I, I, it's a funny thing. I never forget uh, going up one time to Arlington. I think it was uh, Jason Herring's son, Kobe Herring. Uh, they stopped somewhere along the way. I can't remember exactly where to to practice on the way up. And Kobe Herring was like shivering, and it was fifty degrees outside. And we were like, "What are you doing?" But that's you know that's the way they are. That's why they like to play inside, which I understand. But uh, you know, if Refurio takes care of business, uh, they'll be in good position. And then the next game we'll look at is the last of the Thursday games we'll be covering: Edna and Randolph squaring off at seven p.m. Thursday in Smithville. Our good friend Kevin Alstrom, he's covering that one for us. On paper, this certainly looked like Edna looks like it's it's got a tough road if it wants to get to the regional final or state semifinal or even state. This is the first this is kind of the first big step. They shut out Lyford. No one no one doubted that one. But here you go. You've got Randolph. They're nine and two. This is a good physical team. They always play physical. I don't know if they're still running running the option offense. I'm pretty sure they are. But say they say they get past Randolph. All right, now you're looking at facing likely Blanco next week. Then you could run into any of these four teams, Lano, Goliad, Industrial, or Jordanton. And none of those none of those are going to be an easy out. So you look at that and it's just it's just really, really tough. It, it, it's a tough schedule for them, and 
but that's kind of what Jimmy Mitchell wants. He's he's a big – he loves that tough schedule and he loves how his team can certainly play up when, when they need to in those big moments. And we'll see how it goes. I mean, Edna has the, the defensive front to stop an option offense and they can do that against Randolph, especially with the way Otis Santayana has played and throughout the season – the way all of them have Drayden Ashford as a linebacker. It's going to, it's going to be interesting to see how they go, how they handle this first test on Thursday at 7 PM in Smithville. Well, we got another ad. So we're going to take, we're going to take one last break and then we're going to come back and wrap up the previews with the Friday games that we are looking at. PA Extreme and Classy Chic Retail Shop. We are a local retail shop and boutique all in one. What separates us from the rest is that we offer a variety of different items for all age groups, with Crocs and Croc charms for only $1, and other items such as women's, men's, and children's clothing from sizes small to 3X. We also have homemade candles and homemade soaps from other local vendors, jewelry, and so much more. Our grand opening is this Friday at 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Located in Victoria, Texas, 3602 Houston Highway, Suite I, next door to Donut Palace. Well, we definitely want to thank all of our advertisers. You just heard PNA Extreme and Classy Chic Retail Shop, Carly Harrigan Thrivent Financial, as well as White Trash Services and our title sponsor, American Shield Roofing and Construction, LLC. Well, it's time to dig into Friday's previews. Mike, I'm very excited about this one. I'm very excited. Shiner Mason, 7 p.m. Friday from Hutto Memorial Stadium. You don't have to say much about this. It's it's a big game with a big rivalry. They've You were telling me it's been they've played each other nine times since. This will be the ninth time since... 2010 and all of those have been playoff games some of those have been regional semifinals some of those have been regional finals there's always a lot at stake when these two-storied teams play Uh, coach McLeod at Mason he's got them kind of coming back up after they've had a couple of rough years coming off of that 2018 state championship meanwhile Shiner looking to defend its uh, consecutive state titles this is a big game on paper, and it's a big game in real life. Mike, how big is it? Well, always Shiner Mason's going to be a big game, and uh, like you said, it just seems like every time we look up, here's Shiner and Mason again playing each other. Uh, big, or yeah, or Refurio, but really Shiner and Mason have met more than the others, and. Uh, uh, Shiner just wants to continue to play well. Um, you know, uh, this is, uh, I think their offense, like you saw them last week, of course, they weren't really challenged, but still, they, they got things rolling. They had a, they, it's a good bounce back, you know, from the, uh, Refurio game for them. I mean, because you never know how a loss will affect a team. But Shiner's been around long enough to where they, they're able to bounce back. Uh, 
And and I'll say this as uh as I've said this from the beginning of the year and I'll say it forever, as long as Dalton Brooks is on that field, Shiner has a chance to win. And that's the bottom line as far as I'm concerned. And during my days out west I got to cover Mason and, and one of those things that Mason loves is a trademark defense and it kind of feels like they're getting back to that and We'll see. We'll see if they have it. Both teams are going to be tested, and that's going to be fun. I'll be there. Kit McAvoy and I will be covering that. Mike Quero Quero won the flip with Sealy, so it's a 7 p.m. kickoff on Friday in Gobbler Country as the Gobblers host Sealy. And you, you, this is another one you were talking about. A lot of history, detail, just what, how long that history is between these two programs. Yes, you have two schools with a, obviously a lot of tradition. You know, Sealy, of course, with Eric Dickerson, one of the great running backs. Uh, Quero, of course, uh, Arthur Whittington, all those people. Uh, they finally, they started really playing in the 90s, uh, back when T.J. Mills was the coach, the late T.J. Mills was the coach at Sealy, and he kind of had Quero's number. I mean, yeah, they, I don't remember. I know they played, uh, I believe it's eight times and Sealy's won, or, uh, maybe it's nine times and, uh, Sealy's won five, but Cuero's won four straight. Um, so early on, this was Sealy's rivalry and then Cuero kind of took over. Some of these games have not been playoff games. So obviously, you know, when you play those type of games, the stakes aren't as high, but it was interesting. Um, Coach Jared Fikach, of course, is aware of the rivalry, but I spoke to some of the kids, and they have no clue because they weren't around. This this is new to them. And uh, I think the best thing that happened for Quero was getting to play at home. You know, after last week, they realized they didn't play well, and they realized they're going to have to play better to uh, advance and get to where they want to go. And uh, that's why I think having a home game with their home fans there. I'm sure Seeley will bring a lot of people, but just the fact that Quero's at home has got to give the Gobblers a big boost going into this game. Then on Friday in Flower Bluff, 7 p.m., Industrial takes on Jordanton. The Cobras 9-2, and Jordanton 10-1. and Head coach Daryl Andrews has the Indians back on track. They, you know, They're a couple of years removed from that trip to the third round where they where they faced Lano back in uh that was the that was 2020 that was the covid year and it feels like they're back and they're they're playing well he's got them playing really well Clyde Schuhart their top receiver he's he's about 66 and he's got range and he can get up he's a great deep target and he has certainly panned out into what what they expected of him but for industrial if they can go out and they they play physically, like they normally do, they've got a they they've got a good chance to win this. They've got a good history with this district and this region. They played Poteet last year, won that. I think it was in overtime. So certainly a good chance for Industrial. But how important is it going to be, Jeremiah, for quarterback Ashton Garza to link up with Clarence Hosey and the receiving core? for the Cobras in order to force Jordanton to spread the defense out. I think it's very important for, for Garza to kind of get 
get Hosey, you know, involved in the game and also uh, Michael Warren. Um, I feel like, you know, uh, Industrial not only needs to, to get Hosey, you know, in the passing game, but uh, kind of also get him in the running game, too. I know last last week he had a, you know, 40 plus yard uh, rushing touchdown. So I feel like, you know, if if uh, Garza is able to get the balls to his best players, most most athletic players, then um, then Industrial will have a chance against, you know, this tough Jordan Tim defense, which, you know, uh, averages less than 12 points, uh, you know, gives up less than 12 points per game. So obviously it's going to be a challenge for the Cobras going up against this Jordanton defense, but I feel like Ashton Garza, he's definitely going to have to have one of his better games uh, of the season and, you know, get get the balls out to, to those type of guys. And, you know, on, on defense, you know, they're, they're going to be going up against a, a tough uh, Jordanton team, which, you know, averages over 35 points per game. And, uh, you know, led by quarterback Matthew Hicks, who had, you know, three touchdowns and over 150 passing yards last week. So, you know, I feel like the Cobras are going to have their hands full this week. But uh, kind of like I said earlier, if, if Garza is able to, to get the ball out to his best players, then I feel like they're going to have a, a chance to, to be in this game against uh, Jordanton. Yeah, Hicks took over the offense at Jordanton after I had left the area. Uh, he came in for Andrew's son. Cole Andrews after he graduated and went on to TLU. So and and he certainly he certainly come on and he's fit the role and there's there's definitely a lot of weapons around for the Indians to get to that industrial will have to account for. Then also we've got well we've got a, another seven o'clock game that we've got to touch on because there are big implications for the Goliad Tigers. Goliad going up against Lano and this is a Lano team that many feel has a chance to as a dark horse to maybe get to the semifinals or even to Arlington I know uh, I know they've played really well and this is a team that's just kind of been a perennial playoff contender but Goliad here they are they're just what two years removed from that from that win from a winless season and they've got they have a legitimate chance to go out and contend with with Lano and and ride that defense to to halt the Yellow Jackets. Mike, how do you how much do you like Goliad's chances in this in, in this tough game against Lano? I think the most encouraging thing for Goliad is uh it's district. It it played in a much tougher district than Lano did. And if you look at Goliad, their three losses, um, two of them were by less than a touchdown. The only one that's, that defeated them, and it was by 14 points by more than a, a touchdown, was Edna. So they've been in every game pretty much. Uh, Lano is a good team, obviously. Uh you know, obviously when a team drops down in classification like Lano did, your first couple of years you usually have good numbers. You're usually pretty, you know, pretty dominant for that division. But uh, I really feel Goliad has a chance in this game. And uh, if it wants incentive, uh, the winner of this game gets the winner of the industrial uh, Jordanton game. So uh, Goliad, I'm sure, would love another crack at industrial. Uh but you know whether or not that happens, they're, they 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 have the Goliath has its hands full, and uh, but I think it's going to have to it's going to come down to what's it, what it's been all season. Goliath's played pretty good defense, and uh, they're going to have to do it again to win this game. All 
Then we we got to talk about Tidehaven and Nixon Smiley 7:30 p.m. kickoff Friday at the Swamp Rice Consolidated. You know you got you got to look at Nixon Smiley. They're kind of surprising this year. They they're having an incredible year, and the Mustangs deserve all the credit. But they're going up against the Tidehaven team that is back at full health. They 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 look like we thought they would at the beginning of the year, and it's gonna it's gonna be a tough game for you know with Tidehaven at full health. How much does this favor the Tigers over the Mustangs, Mike? Yeah, Tidehaven is uh, has been rolling pretty well. Uh, David Lucio, the head coach there, uh, he made that decision to go with uh, Kel Russell at quarterback, and it has certainly paid off because. Uh, Cal Russell, I think he's thrown like 28 touchdown passes now. And, of course, you always have Joseph Dodds. And um, you've got Tashawn Davis out there as, uh, I think, over 1,200 yards receiving. So they've got the the weapons to win. Um, flip it over, Nixon Smiley, I can't say enough about uh, the job that Troy Moses has done there. I, um, I don't want to say I'm – positive about this but i looked it up and i'm pretty sure this is their first second round appearance since 2011 so you look at what he's done i mean he came in and put the slot t in i kind of equate this somewhat with calhoun you know the this is a system that he felt like with the athletes he had at nixon smiley would work you know for them some teams let's face it uh just aren't equipped to run the spread offense. They don't have the weapons. You put yourself in a slot T and you give yourself a better chance. They've got a really good back by the name of Braden Martinez who has over 1,100 yards. So there's no secret they're going to try and run the ball against Tidehaven. Whether or not that'll work, I don't know. Uh, I did want to say that David Lucio, the head coach, he currently has 52 wins at Tidehaven which uh, ties him with Red Thomas for the most ever at that school. So if he wins this game, he will be the winningest coach in Tidehaven history. And Lucio is a Tidehaven alum, so I'm sure this would mean a great deal to him. And uh, and for those of you who don't remember the name Red Thomas, uh, he is the coach who led Tidehaven to the 1967 state championship. And you might recognize the name C.L. Thomas. That was Red Thomas's son, who was also on that team. And if you've ever been in a speedy stop, which I'm sure most of us have, uh, I'm sure uh, you'll, you, you might know who C.L. Thomas is. But, uh, yeah, big game for both these teams. This is actually uh, the first game that we've had it with two area teams playing. Of course, if uh, things go according to plan, we we could have quite a few of them next week, Sam. Yeah, that might be that might be a good thing though, because it's going to be Thanksgiving week. That's going to cut down on travel. So hey, area teams, please win, please help us out. We would love that. That's going to wrap it up for for episode thirteen of the grid as we get ready for the area round of the playoffs. Make sure to like, follow, and share this podcast. You don't want to miss any of the best coverage here. I mean, you got three guys talking football. Two of, uh, well, all three of us wearing very, very warm clothes because it's a winter time. You, you don't want to miss it. So make sure like, follow, share, let everyone know about this podcast. Get in touch with us either through Facebook, Twitter, 
or email Facebook. You can get get in touch with us either through the Victoria Advocate Facebook page, the Advo Sports p- Facebook page, Twitter, our handles at Advo Sports, and the email to get in touch with us is sports at vicad.com. And since it's basketball season, coaches, that last part is directed to you. Send us your box scores. We'll see you next week for a Thanksgiving edition of The Grid. 